Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to Episode 30, God's Hidden Face. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Hello and welcome back to... Bible Mysteries Podcast. I'm Scott Mitchell here with... Zena. Zena, the warrior princess. Welcome oh, back. that is me. <laughs> that is you. We are happy to, you're here today listening, folks, because we're kind of celebrating today. We found out 10,131 unique listeners. That is so awesome that our podcast can reach so many different people. And episode 30... Wow. Yeah, episode 30 today, and it's amazing. We've just done 30 episodes. It hasn't even been six months, but we've already reached that level of, they call them unique uh, unique listeners, and I would say that's probably equivalent of subscribers. Yeah. You know? And then something around the order of 33,000 downloads total of Which all is episodes. Awesome. And the most popular one, like you said, was the first one. Everyone was ready to swallow that red pill. <laughs> that's true. So let's swallow some more red pills today. Yes. So, you know, in the past, we've mentioned several times about how God was waiting for Israel to acknowledge their offense mm-hmm. and make their confession. And to clarify for anybody that may not be familiar, when we mention Israel, we're not talking about the modern nation Israel. We're talking about the Israel of the Bible, the Israel that has been founded through, the, they were the children of Abraham, yeah. right, genetically. Uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that grandson of Abraham, Jacob, is the man whose name was changed to Israel. Mm -hmm. So that man bore 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel. And it is that nation that was formed when God brought them out of bondage in Egypt and brought them into the land of Canaan. Okay. So we discussed how God used them to exterminate the giants, right? Very true. Took over the land, the cities like Jericho and whatnot, and then ultimately they established themselves in the land. They were supposed to be a people separate unto God. They were influenced by the nations around them, went and did the same things they did, worshiping other gods and doing the sacrifices they weren't supposed to do. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about Israel, we're talking about historic Israel. Okay, it's not intended to be pointed towards the modern nation Israel. God is going to deal with an Israel in the future. We don't really know who they are. It could be the people that occupy the modern land today, but we don't know who they are. Okay. We'll eventually discuss something more about them in another mystery that's going to be tied to a parable Jesus told about a treasure being hid in a field. Interesting. Yeah. So we'll get to that in a few more episodes, but today we are going to talk about God's hidden face and how that relates to Israel. You know, a lot of people today kind of talk about if God's real, where is he? 
Yeah. You ever heard things like that? I have, or that you can't be angry with someone who isn't there. Right. And, and of course, an atheist could argue that they don't believe in any gods at all, yeah. and therefore God doesn't exist. Um, and they, they're probably ignoring the truth around them, because I do think miracles happen. Yes, I for sure. Every day. Maybe not apostolic miracles like they did where people had laid hands on the sick and they recovered immediately, like Jesus healing the lepers and the lame, the blind, and the 12, and Paul even did similar things too. But uh, And then when you talk about Jesus' other miracles like walking on water and things like that, or God's earlier miracles like parting the Red Sea, mm -hmm. whatever. Those things, God communicating directly with mankind for a purpose and a reason. But after Israel did what they did that provoked God to hide his face, God has not been intervening in the affairs of men the way he has in the past. Something started that we referred to before as the dispensation of grace. Yes. God's not dealing with a single nation to bring people to him. He's calling all individuals, mm -hmm. right? So... Things changed, and therefore the need for the gifts that were signs and wonders, miracles, those type of things, diminished, and God was receiving people simply on the basis of faith. Yes. So we didn't see those things. I never met Jesus. I never saw him walk on water. I never saw the burning bush that Moses saw, you know, but we believe the word of God, and that's how he's calling men today. So when people think, where is he? How come is he doesn't intervene? There's a reason for that. And it's because he has hidden his face from Israel due to the broken promise, the broken covenant they had, and turned around and gave the impact of bringing salvation to all men, not just aligned with Israel. Mm -hmm. But he will deal with them as a people again on a national basis. Okay. So all this kind of ties in together. Today we'll talk about God's hidden face, and we're going to start in the book of Deuteronomy, which is one of the five books of the law, Moses, that mm -hmm. wrote. And in chapter 31, verse 16, we read, And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, meaning Moses was about to die. Okay. He was an old man by now. He'd done everything God called him to do. And he says, This people, meaning Israel, will rise up and go a whoring after the gods of the strangers of the land. And notice that term, a whoring, is yeah. just what you think it is because God tied idolatry into like a fornicating act, like a sexual adultery. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm your husband, you're my wife, Israel. When they went and worshiped other gods, it was like an unfaithfulness. Okay, so, that, that makes sense. Right, so the idea is like, like a harlot or a prostitute. Mm -hmm. That's what it means. And he said they would go whoring after the gods of the strangers, the Gentile nations around them, of the land, whither they go to be among them, and will forsake me and break my covenant which I've made with them. Then my anger shall be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them, and I will hide my face from them. And they shall be devoured, and many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that they will say in that day, are not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us? And I will surely hide my face in that day for all the evils which they shall have wrought and that they are turned unto other gods. And it's fascinating to me that he warned them and said, you're going to do this. And they turned right around and did it, you know? Yeah. It's like a stubborn child. If you touch that burner, it's going to hurt. And the kid, you know, reaches. Right. They're like, I, I need to make sure it's going to hurt. 
And, you know, hopefully they do it one time and they learn their lesson. Right? One and done. This Israel never <laughs> learned their lesson. So they kept doing this. So that's why God gave them opportunity after opportunity for 1,500 years. 1,500 years and they still couldn't get it together? They could not get it together. My goodness. So they had 1,500 years from the point at which the law was given till Jesus Christ to receive the truth that God sent them, turn from their ways, prophet after prophet warned them. Finally, he sent his own son. He warned them, offered the kingdom. They rejected him. So that's ultimately the point at which God would hide his face from them. Okay. okay. But we're going to get into a little bit more detail today about why that happened and what the repercussion was. So that chapter that we just read begins something called the Song of Moses. And it, it was like right before he died, God said, okay, I'm going to give you these words to write down. It's a song that Israel would sing, and it's all about all the bad things that was going to happen to them because they turned around. And it was intended to warn them mm -hmm. and turn their heart back, but it didn't do any good. So it's too long of a, of a song and chapter to read the whole thing, so we're just going to read parts of it. But starting in verse 3, he says, uh, of chapter 32, because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe you greatness unto our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect. Now we think of Dwayne Johnson, but this rock is <laughs> another rock, right? He is the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. They have corrupted themselves. And he's talking about the children of Israel. Mm -hmm. Their spot is not the spot of his children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. Do ye thus requite the Lord? Pay him back, requite. Uh, o foolish people and unwise, is not he thy father that hath bought thee? Hath he not made thee and established thee? So God did all this to develop them and create them and make them a nation. He basically birthed a people unto himself. And we have to realize that in the beginning when there was just Adam and Eve, they were God's children. Mm-hmm. They rebelled against him. Sin came into the world through that act of rebellion. And shortly thereafter, man rejected God and became more perverse, more wicked. In Genesis 6, the sons of God came down, yes. took the daughters of men. They taught them wickedness. Giants were born of them. They oppressed the people and became more wicked. So ultimately, God had to destroy the world with a flood, remember? The only thing left was, the only people left were Noah and his family and the animals on the ark. Mm -hmm. So they started again. Noah was a righteous man, but shortly after the flood, men began to rebel again. And we talked about the Tower of Babel, and they built this tower in defiance of God. Yes. And they went their own way, so God had to scatter them abroad, and that's how the nations were born, the different languages. Mm -hmm. Well, God only found one man after that time that would be honorable and worship him and seek him. And it was Abraham. Yes. So he called Abraham and said, uh, made a covenant with him and said, I'll make of you a great nation. So that's why the nation Israel was supposed to be a kingdom of priests that would go to the rest of the world, the Gentiles, and reach them and preach to them and bring them back to God. Mm -hmm. But they never got there because they rebelled and went a-whoring. And ultimately, Moses and his song called them a perverse and crooked generation. They were no better than the people they replaced in the land. And in fact, in some cases, they did worse. You know, So that's where we find ourselves when Christ arrives. 
lives. Okay. You know, we have a nation that had gone through all kind of punishments from God, all kind of warnings, all kind of prophets sent to them. And finally, they're under oppression with Rome. They aren't free in their own country. They are paying taxes, outrageous taxes, to the Roman government. Mm -hmm. And they're looking for a deliverer. And sure enough, the deliverer comes, and they don't want him. Is it because he didn't deliver what they thought he was supposed to deliver? I think that's part of it, absolutely, okay. Zena. I, they they were looking for maybe like a military champion, okay, sort of a Joshua, you know. And it's interesting that Joshua and Jesus are the same name. Yeah. You know, in Hebrew, it's the same name. But they found him coming, offering a different kingdom, a spiritual kingdom rather than a military physical victory mm-hmm. kingdom. Now, as we discussed before, when he comes back the second time, it is a military campaign. Yes. He comes back with an army of angels, and it, there's going to be a slaughter of the enemies of God, you know, the Antichrist and his armies. So um, when he comes back, it will that be that kind of campaign. But the first time he came, he was coming to die for sins and to bring men to him in a kingdom called the kingdom of God. A spiritual kingdom. So we go to Matthew chapter 12, and we, we kind of catch up to where Christ was at the point of his ministry in Israel while he was alive. He was preaching and doing all these miracles and signs, and yet the leadership of the nation, whether it was Pharisees or Sadducees, kind of think like Republican and Democrat. Okay. They were leadership, of, but it was a different type of thing, but they were opposed to each other, and yet ultimately they were both corrupt. Very you know, true. Which is true today for sure. <laughs> that is yeah. so true. But he says, then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered. This is verse 38 of Matthew 12. They answered saying, Master, speaking to Jesus, we would see a sign from thee. Now he's been doing signs for three years. Yeah. You know? So, but he answered and said unto them, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign and there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And Jonas, believe it or not, is not one of the brothers. <laughs> Jonas, as in the Jonas brothers. <laughs> Jonas is actually Jonah. Okay. Now, you remember the story of Jonah and the whale, right? Are you familiar with Jonah, the man who was a prophet of God, sent to a city to preach, and he didn't want to go, so he tried to run. He ran from God got in a ship, sailed away from where he was supposed to go. Oh, okay, okay. You know that story? Mm, I and do. the ship capsized because the storm came, and they tossed him overboard. <laughs> and they thought, this guy must have sinned, and his God is punishing him. So they threw him overboard, and the storm stopped. But Jonah got swallowed by a, a whale. Okay. I was like, Jonah, the whale. That's right. That's right. And it's, <laughs> it's an old story, so it's kind of hard to bring to memory. But Jonas is the New Testament version of the same person. Okay. And so when he said, no sign shall be given but the sign of the prophet Jonas, in verse 40, he says, for as Jonas, Jonah, was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, which is hell in the center of the earth. Mm-hmm. So you think about it. If, if we think of the story of Jonah... When I was a kid, there was a famous movie called Pinocchio and Disney, you know. And so Pinocchio runs away and he gets swallowed by the whale Monstro. Mm -hmm. Or or maybe it was his dad Geppetto, I forget. But one of them got swallowed. And they're like inside the whale sitting on a raft with a little lamp and they're fishing inside the whale's mouth, right? (laughs) That's not how it would be, of course. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but when you're a kid, you're like, oh, I see. If I ever get swallowed by a whale, I'll make a raft and I'll fish. <laughs> right. But he died. There's no air. There's no light. He can't breathe in a whale's belly. 
That's right? true. So three days and three nights, he suffocated. He would have drowned. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So when Jonah was swallowed, he died and he went to hell. And he saw hell and he cried out from hell in his spiritual body. And God delivered him. And when the whale spat him back up, he came back to life. You know, it's not like he was in acid for, th- you know, three days <laughs> and stomach acid and he survived that. So, um, so what happened was it's a sign of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's kind of interesting that this weekend is the Easter weekend as we record this. Yes. Right? And tomorrow is going to be the day when much of the Christian world celebrates the resurrection of Christ. And most Christians don't draw that connection that the sign of Jonas was Christ dying, going to hell for three days and rising again from the dead with forgiveness of sins. That is so crazy. Yeah. So he's speaking to a nation when he calls them an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. He's quoting Moses. Mm -hmm. He's quoting the song of Moses when he says that. He's not just making it up. Back to Deuteronomy in that song, the song of Moses, we'll read another passage from it. Verse 18. Of the rock that begat thee, thou art unmindful, like you you don't care about him, and hast forgotten God that formed thee. And when the Lord saw it, he abhorred them, he despised, abhorred them, because of the provoking of his sons and of his daughters. And he said, I will hide my face from them, and I will see what their end shall be. For they are a very froward generation, children in whom is no faith. Froward means stubborn, hard-headed. Okay, just, I was just about to ask, yeah. does that mean? Yeah, not a, not a common word we use today. No. So this nation then, once again, he mentions this rock of the rock thou, that begat thee. Begat means gave birth to. Mm-hmm. Okay, begotten, begat. So of the rock that begat thee, thou art unmindful. You don't care for him. And what we're going to find out is Christ is the rock. And this is what led up to the hiding of the face. Mm-hmm. So God was, think of a rock like uh, if you were to build a fortress. Okay. And for a for a protection in battle, okay, and you're defending a city, you want it on a rock, because it's high, it can't be easily attacked, mm-hmm. but it can be easily defended. Yes. And if it's on a rock foundation, it's solid, it's stable. You build it on sand or in a marsh, it's going to sink. Very true. <laughs> right. Or it's easy to dig under or something. So you can't penetrate a rock, right? You can't mm-hmm. dig under. You can't. Right. Unless you have dynamite, which they didn't <laughs> back then. So. The rock would have been the perfect foundation for any nation, for protection, mm-hmm. for deliverance, and everything else. And ultimately, we'll find out that the rock is Jesus. In Psalm 18, we go to the 18th Psalm, and we find out in verse 31, For who is God save the Lord, and who is a rock save our God? Save is used as we might say accept. You okay. know, if I said, for who is a rock except the Lord? Or who, who is a God except the Lord? Or who is a rock except our God? In other words, there's no other. Okay. So save is the way they would have said that back in 1611. You know, uh, That's when the King James Bible was translated. <laughs> so the psalmist is even sort of letting them know that God is the rock. He's, the, he's God. He's Lord. He's the rock. Mm-hmm. He's the one we should put our faith on, our, our confidence in, our foundation upon. Yes. Now, Romans chapter 9 explains what the rock means. It took Paul, a Jew in the first century, who was actually the enemy of Christ. He was the one persecuting Christians at first because he thought Jesus was a heretic and he thought his followers were blasphemous. 
right? Now, why did he think that? He was raised a Pharisee. He was oh. part of that evil system. Okay. He was actually, you know, sold out to a satanic order of leadership that didn't want the Christ that they knew was prophesied to come mm -hmm. because they knew if he came, they would lose their power and their control. Oh, okay. It's always about politics. Always, you know? Makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So Paul had a conversion experience because he was on his way to arrest some Christians in another city than his own. He lived in Jerusalem. That was his home base. He was heading up to Syria, which was some distance away back then. I mean, it yeah. wasn't easy to get to. It was like, you know, probably further than going from San Antonio to Dallas. My goodness. And then he was traveling by foot or camel or horse or whatever. So imagine. That know. took some days. Yeah. And that takes some real zeal to persecute people. Mm -hmm. So his name was Saul at the time, but he's on his way up there and he meets Jesus on the way. Not just as a man walking along, but he appears in the sky, brighter than the noonday sun, it said. So bright he was blinded. He couldn't see after he saw him. And he asked him, why are you persecuting me? And Saul's answer was, who are you? <laughs> and he said, I am Jesus. Now imagine you're thinking you're serving God all this time. He was a zealous religious man thinking he was doing God a favor. And then suddenly he comes face to face with God and he asks his name. And it's the man he's persecuting. What would have his next thought have been? I'm about to die. Right. God's going like, to kill me because I've been persecuting his people. And you're just, I bet he was just so confused. He's like, wait, <laughs> how are you up there? Exactly. So he literally was thinking, my life's over. I've been defying the very God I thought I was serving. Mm -hmm. But he turns right around and said, well, get up. He fell on his knees, you know. Uh, Paul, Saul did. And he said, get up. I've called you to be a special chosen vessel for me. And he ended up being the greatest apostle that there was. You go, Paul. <laughs> that's right. And that's right. God literally changed his name from a Hebrew name, Saul, to a Gentile name, Paul, right? Fancy. So Paul wrote Romans, and in chapter 9, he wrote these words. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles, everybody but the Jew, mm -hmm. which followed not after righteousness, have attained to righteousness. They got it. Even the righteousness, which is of faith. But Israel same nation, which followed after the law of righteousness, they had Moses and the prophets, mm -hmm. hath not attained to the law of righteousness. And then he says, wherefore? That's like, why not? Why didn't they? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. They read the law, which said, thou shalt not. And instead of seeing, I can't do this, I need a redeemer. I need mercy. Mm -hmm. And instead of accepting the redeemer that God sent them, they, in their arrogance, said, I can do that. I can keep that. I'm better than him. I'm better than her. It's a bad idea. Bad idea. <laughs> so then he says, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone, as it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. So the rock is Jesus. He came. They're saying, who is, a, who is a God but our Lord? Who is the Lord but our rock? They had the Psalms. They had Moses. They had the song of Moses. And the Pharisees could read it, and they see Jesus, and they couldn't put two and two together. Ugh. Here's the rock, and they stumbled at him. You know, as they, instead of using him and building the foundation, mm -hmm. they kicked him aside, you know, and they That's tripped. terrible. Yeah. Now, Pharisees 
are considered Gentiles, correct? Or Pharisees were Jewish religious leaders okay. who would have looked down not only on Gentiles, but any Jews that were lesser than them. Okay. You know, so they were sort of arrogant. They were very much like politicians. You know? so they thought they were like elite. They were elite. They, okay. they were, in fact, they're the ones that Christ, the only time he ever criticized anybody, you know, he would find sinners, a publican, follow me. A woman caught in adultery, I forgive you. You know, his compassion was unbounded mm -hmm. with the average Joe. But when he met these religious elites, he called them vipers, hypocrites, and you are of your father, the devil. Wow. Strong words. I know. That kind of hurts my feelings. It hasn't changed. <laughs> you know, I mean, think about it. it, it would, he was saying that to people because he knew their heart. He wasn't just being insulting. Mm -hmm. It's that, you know, if somebody called me an ugly name, you're a moron. Well, they just, they're just being mean. Yes. But if somebody called me out for what I am, I saw you steal that. You are a thief. They're being honest. Yes. It may be unkind, but they're pointing out the truth. Right? Very true. He was pointing out the truth to them. He was saying what they really were, you know. So here he's saying, look, I'm a Jew. I love my people. I was a Pharisee. I was blinded too. But I'm calling them out for their mistake. Here's what they did wrong. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. They stumbled at the rock. They didn't recognize him, right? And then he also wrote in 1 Corinthians, same Paul, same apostle. Now, was it hard for them to know who Jesus was? They should have known by the scriptures of the prophets. But because of the hardness of their heart, he came doing miracles. Okay. So there should have been, if they didn't believe the prophets and the law of Moses, they should have believed the signs. Mm -hmm. Because who walks on water? Who raises the dead? Yeah. You know, if that wasn't of God, then how could it possibly be? Very you know? true. So when he did numerous things to show them, and then the very words he spoke, he spoke the words of truth and the words of God. So they were clearly hardened in their hearts against him, the ones that rejected him. There were people that followed him too, mm -hmm. but the nation as a whole rejected him. Okay. So even though thousands here believed and thousands there believed, there were millions of Israelites that didn't. 
Okay. Okay. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, he writes, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Now, he's referring to the, the people that came out of Egypt, Israel. Mm -hmm. And when God protected them from Pharaoh, there was a pillar of a cloud by day and a fire by night, and it kept... Pharaoh's army separated from Israel so they couldn't attack them. Okay. So when he says they were baptized in the cloud and then the sea is the Red Sea, you know the story of the Red Sea parting, yes. and they walked over on dry land. That's a picture of miracles that God did to show Israel he was there, mm -hmm. right? And it says they did all eat the same spiritual meat, and that was the manna that God fed them with because they were in the wilderness. There was no way to grow food, right? And did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Okay. And when he said it followed them, he means it came later. So it followed okay. after. It was everything that God showed them in a sign and a wonder was pointing towards the one that would come. And when he came, it was Christ. But they rejected him. And, and it says, God was, many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. We talked a little bit about the time when they were going to go into the land to kill the giants. Yes. And they, they sent 12 spies, before, you know, because if you're going to take over a country, you want to send your spies in. <laughs> what are we up against here, guys? Yeah. And so they spied out the land, and t 12 of them came back, and 10 of them said, we're like grasshoppers. They'll stomp us. We can't take them. And two of them said, yeah, they're big, but God's with us. We can do it. And they, the people of Israel listened to the 10 instead of the two faithful men, whose name, by the way, was Joshua and Caleb. And the two faithful spies said, yeah, we can take them. And the others, the others said, no, we're not going to listen to them. We're going to listen to the 10 that said we can't do it. So God was angry. And everybody over 20 died and did not get to go into the land, except for Joshua and Caleb. So imagine waiting 40 years to go into your promised land. You know? Right. And then everybody under 20 wasn't held accountable for that sin. So they all got to go in. Good, because it's like, it's not their fault. That's right. It wasn't their fault. So they ultimately went in, and that's why he said that God was not well pleased and some were overthrown in the wilderness. So it was a picture of what was to come. When, when you didn't believe God, when you rejected his truth, and when you had no faith, you make a choice. And so they were overthrown, and he didn't just kill them instantly. They just wandered until they died. So did they just kind of like wander unconsciously? No, they wander consciously, but I guess somehow the Lord not did not direct them to, I mean, it wouldn't have been that hard to go from point A to point B, mm -hmm. right? But God kept them wandering until <laughs> they couldn't find it. It's like being lost in a maze. You oh know? my, that's the worst. <laughs> so um, it's a type of what would then come later when Israel received the rock himself and the Christ came, the Messiah, they rejected him and he'll go on to say things about them being blind, mm -hmm. you know? But in 1 Peter chapter 2, now we're back in the New Testament again, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, and Peter, one of the 12 apostles, wrote, to whom coming as unto a lively stone, disallowed indeed of men, disallowed means rejected, okay, but chosen of God and precious. He was referring to Jesus Christ, the living stone. He's the rock, right? And then he's talking about believers here. So he's writing to believers in Jesus. And he's saying, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So these individuals here that are believers are Jewish believers. 
because Peter was a Jew and he preached to Jews. Paul was a Jew, but he was sent to Gentiles. Isn't that something? Mm -hmm. But he wasn't sent to Gentiles until after God decided he was going to hide his face. We're going to come back to that shortly. Okay. But Peter is talking to those who actually will be the ones that God puts his face back to when the time is right. Okay. So even though he wrote in the first century, the people that lived at that time are a type of the ones who are in the future. Okay. Which will be when God is dealing with Israel as a nation again, which right now he's not. He's still hiding. But he says, wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded or ashamed. So they keep quoting that psalm about the, the stone that God laid. And when you talk about I lay in Zion a stone, it, you're like, it's as though you were a, a guy that does masonry or a woman that works with stone and builds a wall. So when you lay a stone, you put it down and then you put your mortar and you put another stone and you keep mm -hmm. building until you make whatever you're building. So God was building something, but the start of the building was the cornerstone and it was Christ. Okay. And what he was building was a church, right? So he says unto you, verse 7, therefore, which believe, he is precious, the stone. But unto them which be disobedient, the Christ-rejecting nation, Israel, mm -hmm. the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. So it was written before, it was appointed that this would happen. They would reject the stone. They would disallow and they would stumble at him. He would become the stumbling block for them because they wouldn't receive him by faith. You know? Terrible. Just imagine tripping on a stone, you know, and what, <laughs> what can happen? You fall, right? Yeah. So this is going to be a kind of a little bit of a segue into the next episode we're going to do next week, which is called The Fall of Israel. Okay. But first they stumble, then they trip, and then they fall. When you think about stumbling and tripping, you think about somebody that can't see it, you know, like they didn't see the stone. Yes. So he was there, but they didn't see it. So there's a blindness involved. Okay. So we'll get to that too. But finally, he wraps it up and he says, but ye, the believers, the Jewish believers here, are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Now, the ones that rejected, he called an evil and adulterous generation. This one is a chosen generation. Okay. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. So there's going to be the restoration of an Israel that will start with these. Let's start with so these there people. were actual yeah. Jews that did follow Jesus when he came. Exactly, yeah. Okay. And, and Peter was one of them, the rest of the 12. You know, Paul mm -hmm. ultimately was too. And then all of the thousands that also believed uh, were part of this priesthood church, if you will, and priesthood nation. Not the Gentiles, which came later, but these were Jewish, okay? Because you can't be a Gentile and be a priest. So with the Jewish people that did follow uh, Christ, did they end up leaving Israel? Well, what ended up happening was they were persecuted for their belief, the ones that followed Jesus, mm -hmm. and ultimately they were scattered abroad. Okay. In the year 70, so if you think about Jesus died in 33 AD, mm -hmm. was less than 40 years later before the Roman Empire actually destroyed Jerusalem and the nation was gone. Okay. They wiped them off the face of the earth, basically. And they were not a nation again until like 1948. Okay. Okay. And that's, that brings us to the d difference between then and the modern Israel. Whatever the modern Israel is, it may or may not be anything to do with this people. Okay. You know, we'd, we're, we're not saying. A lot of Christians believe that it is, and God's restored them into the land. I reserve my judgment on that. 
because I haven't seen yet something that convinces me what's happening now is in fact God restoring the people of Israel. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem to match what the scriptures say. It will someday, but I just don't know when. Yeah. So anyway, he says that uh, you were a peculiar, you are a holy nation, a peculiar people that hath showed you forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So God's going to show mercy again to the nation that he hid his face from, but not until, as we've said before, they acknowledge their offense yes. and they turn back to him. Mm-hmm. Now, that brings us back to another section of the Song of Moses as we begin to wrap this up. And that's Deuteronomy 32, one more time, for the song. But this time we're going to read verse 28. And it says, there's 52 verses in the song. I was going to say, this sounds like a very long song. It's a long song. (laughs) That's why we're not reading everything, right? But verse 28 says, for they are a nation void of counsel, empty of counsel. Neither is there any understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end, the end of in the late time. So the idea was, if only they could have seen that they're going to go through all this because of their rejection and their lack of faith, God was going to hide his face from them for 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. Remember, we talked about two days, right? And then finally, after they're in the worst affliction ever, they're going to cry out and acknowledge they're wrong. Their latter end is that God's going to turn around and restore them and multiply their blessings. If they just could have seen that and understood that they don't have to go through all this, right. if they would have just believed him, but they didn't. But they're hard-headed. They were hard-headed, froward, right? And God loves them. He's going to restore them. He's going to keep his promise to them, even though they broke their promise to God. Sweet of him. I know it really is. Mercy is is a, an attribute that really God shows mm-hmm. like no other. Right? Very selfless. So back to Romans, where Paul writes in chapter ten, verse one, he says, and this is this kind of shows you his as a Pharisee and a learned Jew, he understood this after he saw the truth and accepted the rock. Mm-hmm. Right. So he then now he knows what's coming. He knows Israel's going to reject. He knows God's going to hide his face from him, and there's going to be a time. He didn't know how long it would be, but he knew there would be a long time of them being without God. Yeah. And so his prayer here, he says in verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. He, he longed for them. They were his brethren. You know, think of your family members. You know, if only, you know they're driving to a, a bridge that's broken and washed out and they don't know it and you're crying, turn around, stop. The mm-hmm. bridge is out. You're going to fall into the ravine, you know, and they just ignore you and drive on. Your heart would break. Yes. You know, you would think, oh, they won't listen to me. Why won't they listen to me? Well, that's Paul here. Okay. His people, Israel, he says, my heart's desire and prayer to God is that they might be saved for I bear them record. They have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Mm-hmm. There are people void of counsel. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. When you accept Christ, the law is taken out of the way. And they kept saying, we don't need Christ, we can keep the law. Just that arrogance, you know. Yeah. It's that, I can do it. I don't need you, I can do it. God you can, I'll take the wheel, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> so, like, no, 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 let him take the wheel. 
Exactly. They wouldn't let him do it and believe on the one he sent to take the wheel, right? Mm -hmm. So they were ignorant of God's righteousness. They didn't see that it was fulfilled in the rock, Christ. They thought they had to earn it themselves through being keepers of the law, which they weren't. Like I said, they had it for 1,500 years and they failed to keep it. Oh, Israel. I know. It makes you kind of weep when you really think about what they could yeah. have had and what they will have, but they could have had it without going through 2,000 years of just anguish and pain, you know? So Jeremiah chapter 5, one of their prophets wrote these words way back when. He said, And it shall come to pass when ye shall say, Wherefore doeth the Lord our God all these things unto us? Why has all this happened? Mm -hmm. It's going to come to pass that you're going to say, Oh, woe is me, Lord. Why are you doing this to me? Then shalt thou answer them, Like as you have forsaken me and served strange gods in your land, so shall ye serve strangers in a land that is not yours. Declare this in the house of Jacob and publish it in Judah, saying, Hear now this, O foolish people, and without understanding, which have eyes and see not, which have ears and hear not. Fear ye not me, saith the Lord? Will ye not tremble at my presence, which have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree that cannot pass it? And though the waves thereof toss themselves, yet can they not prevail." Though they roar, yet can they not pass over it. In other words, he's saying, look, you won't acknowledge me that I'm God and I created the oceans and set the boundaries of the shore that they can't go over. I mean, why do the oceans stay where they are? That's so true. You know, I mean, we have, you know, like tsunamis and tidal waves and things that occasionally hit mm -hmm. and they will go over and make maybe destroy coastal cities. But most of the time, 99.9% .9 of the time, the ocean stays where it is. Yeah. You know, obviously we have like high tide and low tide. Yeah. It's never like, there comes a hurricane today. Which is another thing too, when you talk about people that discuss and warn us about climate change and global warming and the sea levels are rising, God said they're not. Yeah. So who do we believe? The, the so-called scientists? Because <laughs> they've been warning us that the, uh, that the coasts were going to be gone by, what, 20 years ago? That's so true. Or in that California is supposed to be underwater yeah. in 50 years, or has it already been the 50 years? Yeah, and the same coastline is still there. And the real irony to me is, I can't understand it, the people that warn about it buy coastal properties. Why do they do that? Why do you buy a house on Martha's Vineyard if you're preaching that the, the ocean's going to swallow up the vineyard? You They're know? like, well, you see, I want to be at Martha's Vineyard when my house gets swallowed <laughs> up so I can write about it. Evidently. <laughs> I can't understand that. So he says, you know, I did this with the waves, and yet you don't listen to me? Mm -hmm. But this people hath a revolting and a rebellious heart. Revolting is not like, that's revolting. It's me. They revolt away from me. Okay. Like they rebel and turn, you know. They have a revolting and a rebellious heart. They are revolted and gone. Neither say they in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God that giveth rain, both the former and the latter, in his seasons. He reserveth unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. You know, in other words, they're not even acknowledging that he gives them the seasons and the, and the harvest. Your iniquities have turned away these things, and your sins have withholden good things from you. For among my people are found wicked men, they lay wait as he that setteth snares, they set a trap, they catch men. As a cage is full of birds, so are their houses full of deceit. Mm -hmm. Therefore they are become great and waxen rich. He's talking about those satanic global elites, which were in Israel at the time. 
they are waxen fat, which means they've grown fat. Okay, they shine, yea, they overpass the deeds of the wicked. They judge not the cause, the cause of the fatherless, orphans. Uh, they uh, yet they prosper, and the right of the needy do they not judge. Shall I not visit for these things, saith the Lord? Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? So these wicked leaders turned around. They got rich by oppressing people. They didn't help the fatherless. They didn't help the widow. They didn't yeah. judge righteously. And they brought in all these, these horrible things to the, to the poor. And he says, you didn't judge them? Am I not going to pay you back for that? And that's what he's doing now. Good. So he's hiding his face from them for all those things. And then one last portion of the song of Moses in Deuteronomy 32. This will be the last section that we're going to, last excerpt that we're going to read in verse uh, 39. See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God with me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Neither is there anyone that can deliver out of my hand. For I lift up my hand to heaven and I say, I live forever. If I wet my glittering sword, and wet is W-H-E-T, it's sharpen. Okay. Sharpen is to wet, like a wetting stone is how you sharpen a knife. Yeah. So if I wet my glittering sword and mine hand take hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to mine enemies, and I will reward them that hate me. I will make mine arrows drunk with blood, and my sword shall devour flesh, and that with the blood of the slain and of the captives from the beginning of revenges unto the enemy. Uh, upon the enemy. Rejoice, O ye nations, with his people, Israel, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance to his adversaries and will be merciful unto his land and to his people. So the song ends with hope. The hope that God's going to pour out his wrath on these wicked ones that turn from him, that he's yes. hiding his face from. But ultimately, when he turns his face back, he's going to take the ones that believe, he's going to restore that nation, and then he's going to rule the other nations with justice. And mercy. Good. He comes back. I think about when Dr. King said, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. He was a preacher. He knew these things. He knew about the restoration of Israel. So he, he was quoting basically the scriptures like this when Israel would finally be restored. And he applied it to the plight of his people. Mm -hmm. who were in bondage still with segregation and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And he saw the hope at the end. He didn't want the violence, the overthrow. He just prayed for the Lord to bring back the mercy. You yeah. know? And that's why he, he's a hero to me, because he was looking for a peaceful solution. You mm -hmm. know? So Malachi chapter 4 is the last book of the Old Testament. And in verse 1, we get a little bit of insight of how this vengeance is going to come okay. when the Lord comes back. So it's the last chapter of the Old Testament. And he says, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall, and ye shall tread down the wicked, and they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. In the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. So when he comes back, the wicked will be burned up. You know? that's, I, was, I was like, that sounds like a lot of fire. <laughs> <laughs> that's the real global warming. You know? <laughs> in reality, I think we're heading into a new ice age. The world is about to get a lot colder. No. I know, I know. <laughs> Climately speaking, what's what climatologically speaking, I don't know what the right word is, <laughs> but what affects the climate more than anything else is the sun. 
-hmm. And there's something called a solar minimum that we're entering. And that means the reduced amount of sunspots. So that means that there's less solar activity. So we're going to start seeing the, the frost belt going lower, further south, which means l shorter growing seasons and food shortages. This is what's coming. Yeah. It's not good. This is not, it's the, it's the opposite of what the scientists are saying. But when the wrath of God comes, you better bet there's going to be some warming because he's going to burn up the wicked <laughs> as ashes under their feet. So we're out of time. Uh, we've got a couple more things to discuss about God's hidden face. But we're going to go ahead and save that for the beginning of the next podcast when we talk about how it led to the fall of Israel. Okay. You know, the fall was basically the re rejection of the rock mm -hmm. of Jesus. But at, at a certain point in time was when God finally said, okay, I'm done. And that's when he turned around. And he will not show his face on Israel again until they turn back. And I'm done. I've given up. I am you done. You do not want me. So if you want to learn the rest of the story and learn about how it is that Israel fell, but what came good of that, that was bad for Israel until the Lord returns, but there was something very good that came about that for the rest of the world, and it is a mystery. And you have to stay tuned. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to their podcast every week. If you enjoy them, please like and subscribe. Leave a comment down below of something new that you've learned or something that you've research yourself that you would like to tell us we appreciate you guys so much and have a wonderful rest of your week Bye. we really do thank you so much have a great week and a happy easter yes happy easter Bye. thank you for listening today if you like what you heard please subscribe to bible mysteries and share it with a friend if you want to learn more you can go to unlock the bible now that's utbnow.com Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at UTBNow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.